Suns fans, you know what time it is in the PHX. Empire of the Suns. Phoenix Suns. The Empire of the Suns podcast is brought to you by Sonic. Mmm, Sonic. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kel Nelson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. What's up? Hanging in there. Um, Suns, what, two and two since we last talked? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll get to that stuff in a little bit, but I think we both wanted to kind of start the podcast by mentioning Dave King. Um, an awful loss. Thoughts are with his family. Um, and I'll just let you talk on it in a little bit, but for, for me, just getting in this business when I graduated college, going to valleyofthesuns.com, kind of a competitor with Brightside, but just working side by side with him so much. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm sure it's hit everyone hard. You have a much closer relationship with that site and him as well, too. Yeah, it's 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 a really sad thing. Um, echo everything that you said. Thoughts are with his family, and I think the main thing that Dave will be remembered by with all of this is just a sense of community that he helped fulfill. And you were with Valley of the Suns. He was with BrightSideOfTheSun.com. Both of those sites were about like a fan website, essentially that yeah, is run early. by the fans yeah. for the fans, all that kind of stuff, and. What those both of those sites achieved, particularly Brightside, was forming a sense of community. And what happened is the people who were like uh, either writing for the site or like commenting in the comments there, kind of became friends on um, Twitter. And like people like Scott Howard and Shrieker, who used to write for Brightside, people like Dave, um, who I like began to follow on Twitter and all that kind of stuff, were. Um, were actually like people I considered friends, even though like mm. we had never met a, met before or whatever, but we interacted so much on Twitter and that kind of thing. And he helped so much in that kind of way. And then he obviously helped me a ton. For those who aren't familiar, Bright Side of the Sun is where I got my start. I didn't go to Cronkite. I didn't cover like high school football for two years or whatever. I was just a kid that was getting done with college and needed to start getting some writing experience if he wanted to give this like thing a go. And he let me join, and he was incredibly receptive and encouraging to the amount of passion that I had and how much I wanted to do. Uh, Something I've been thinking about a lot is if he would have been someone who was less encouraging and less of like um, someone who was like receptive to my work, like you are as a coworker as well. I probably wouldn't have been doing this anymore. I probably would just given up and been like, "Well, this like I what like if no one's gonna match me where I'm at." Yeah. And he always did that with everyone. He was always um, really great about that. And I think something that gets lost is like a lot of people listening to this right now want to do this for a living mm-hmm. and they really want to. But something you and I have learned is that it's a fantastic job we're incredibly blessed to be doing what we love but at the same time there are a lot of people who do this and then they do it for a couple of months and they're like eh. like they, they kind of go out yeah. dave would show up to games all the time in his like office attire yeah because he would come from his regular job supporting his family and then would still show up to games after that and like you and i have been in those kinds of situations where you're kind of like ah, like i'm probably just gonna go home or whatever but like he he was doing this because it was a real real passion of his and he really cared about the phoenix suns and the and nba basketball a lot. Uh, I'm glad Cam Cox tweeted this because I had forgotten about it. The intro to my segment on Burns and Gambo has like the awkward thing where the mic wasn't working with Kevin Durant and stuff. Yeah. If you aren't familiar, his introductory press conference in front of a few thousand people 
was like the first time ever the Suns had done any type of thing like that in my in my time around any fans, not even 50, a couple thousand or whatever. So there was this weird thing where like people were introducing themselves on the mic and then the crowd was reacting in some kind of way. Dave got by far the biggest reaction, yeah. which was like a look at her like, oh, good for Dave. Look at that. That's great. But that speaks again to like people were reading him every morning. They were going to the site knowing that Dave was going to have something new up and his like dedication to consistently um, pouring out content that wasn't in a regurgitating way was something that I looked up to uh, a lot. And yeah, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair if it wasn't for Dave. So it's a uh, incredibly uh, sad news. And again, like just thinking about his family right now. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add on. Um Go donate to the Sun. Still have it up, and Brightside tweeted the. There's a link to donate to Brightside Night, which I think probably is his baby. Like that's a really awesome legacy. They you you basically donate. You can do 15 bucks, I believe, and um, send underprivileged kids to Suns games. Um, and then I just wanted to add within our industry, just Dave running that site since I believe 2010 at least, and he was around before that, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. But. You are a product of there. Damon Allred, who works for us here now. Um, Brendan Clean. Brendan Clean. Uh, Jacob Padilla is someone who is like kind of become a mainstay in like the Midwest basketball scene. Yeah. Um, with the work that he does around like Nebraska specifically. And he wrote for Bryce Out of the Sun. Yeah, He's so, a Suns fan who you guys might follow yeah, on Twitter. So, There's a lot of people. I mentioned Streaker and Scott. Yeah, and, and just, you know, other people at SB Nation. That I was kind of at SB Nation on the national side of things for a little bit, but people there have said, like, he put out a lot of guys who are doing this in, as a living, like you. Um, also, Brian Giverman, who has basically started this podcast. Mm-hmm. So just um, a lot of, like, just influence in, in coverage and, and that kind of thing so like we miss you dave and everyone go and uh support brightside night that's what um you can do to contribute yeah i'm sure the next home game is going to have some kind of moment for him it was really nice to see matt ishby release a statement Mm -hmm. Uh, but with that being said i think that that brightside night specifically the one for next year is going to be the one where we're really going to be able to uh, remember Dave and if we can turn that into the biggest bright side night ever which I'm sure it's already on pace to be or already is but mm-hmm. if we can blow that up even more that would be great uh, just check bright side on on Twitter I think I retweeted it at some point yesterday um, so go and check that out but yeah we're we're thinking about uh, not only him but just like the community and the people that were that were closest to him like in in the scene uh, specifically because it's it it, it really stinks um, it's it's a bummer I don't even know how other ways to say it but but it's sad it's yeah, very sad it is uh, we'll move on to Phoenix Suns basketball now uh, to go on with the rest of the episode like you said the Suns have gone two and two over the last four games I don't know how long we're going to talk for because this is basically the same stuff again <laughs> I can't remember a the thing about the really really bad teams and this is I'm going to dark path here oh the thing about the really really bad teams is that there were different ways for us to have conversations sometimes we would come and be like oh they suck and then we would just like kind of why is Devin booker getting double teamed when this team is so terrible yeah but we could talk about um we could talk about other players getting cracks in the rotation we could talk about like the three-week stretch josh jackson's been having like all that (laughs) kind of stuff right but i can't remember a year where we've done this podcast you brought up gibby like we've been doing this for seven years now i think and i can't remember one where it was so feeling carbon copy like we could take certain episodes and put them in again and what i'm uh speaking on is there was the dallas game where they beat them up it was pretty great and you're like okay is this road trip going to be the start of something to what we talked about on the podcast that day 
Then they play Indiana. They should have beat Indiana. They they get beat by, I think, 21 in shot attempts. And part of one of the stranger things happening here is that these are things that happened last season. These are things that happened. I think the finals, um, I'll always remember, one, the way Giannis played, but then, two, how it was like I felt like I was writing the same thing every game because it was like offensive rebounding, fast break points, second chance points. Margins, yeah. It was just the margin of error, the math, and then the Denver series especially was one where the math – really last year really really caught up to them same team uh, not the same team at all not the same coaching staff at all and it's still kind of the same stuff here where indiana that was more turnovers i think those teams didn't mess around with turnovers as much but turnovers against indiana and orlando those are two games that they should have won and the indiana game they still could have won um the fourth quarters were an issue there but i think more specifically is that they just fell apart in a unique way and then even the miami game they play what they need more of over the last couple of weeks, uh, which is just a solid win where they didn't play an A an A plus game, but they were like a B minus and and they just guess like what? got a couple winning plays yeah. and you're done. Yeah. Guess what? If you have two star players and you play B minus basketball all season and you're just consistent, you're gonna win like fifty to fifty five games in the NBA. You don't have to be absolute killers out there. Uh, but then the fourth quarter kinda came and Frank Vogel uh, Dwayne Rankin did an excellent job where Frank Vogel referred to it as like a mental hurdle of sorts and Dwayne immediately followed up and be like, do you believe this is a mental hurdle? And then he didn't really walk it back necessarily, but he just said it was like one of the factors he believes it's going into the fourth quarter. You wrote a story on ArizonaSports.com looking at the numbers through the fourth quarter. Uh, I didn't read it, but what did you learn going through, if anything, uh, there inside the numbers? There are a lot of numbers. The fourth quarter numbers are all very bad. It's very bad from defense. Offense is worse than defense, by the way. Um, turnovers, another theme. Pace, another theme. And, and that's all interconnected. And if you wanted to find a why are they bad in the fourth quarter, I can't tell you because it's so many bad things that are interconnected. It's just we you watch it and you say they just they just tank. That's uh, through a couple minutes and that's the game. Um, but I think a couple takeaways. One. Second, third, second quarter and third quarter, they're like third and fourth in net rating. So they're a top five team for two quarters. First quarters, they're like middle rung, 14th, I believe. Mm. So <clears throat> when you're dead last and fourth, like, yeah, that's going to happen. But that that's where, it, again, the why they're so inconsistent, that's where you just go. I don't know. Is it a mental thing? It's a mental hurdle. It must be. Um, The couple things that you can glean like the kd has bad net ratings but that's because he was playing by himself they had a lot of bad first or fourth quarters early in the season the role players again you got to get consistent role players eric gordon and grayson allen are better than you know chemezi matu nasir little that kind of thing of those nurk is basically even which is good because even book is sub um zero and the negatives. And that's interesting because they've recently actually gone away from Nurk in the fourth quarter more. So if I'm going to do any takeaways out of this, and that's a bunch of, you can point out you're wrong here because of lineup data. We'll tell you this. It's not this bad. Um, I think one thing we can talk about of late is kind of how they've managed the center position because they have kind of done this fourth quarter like oh we're just going to do five out and honestly i'm unsure if it's more about having five out and and switching on defense or like which one of those or if it's both of those so 
I don't know. That that's the only like kind of nuance I can take of this last four game stretch that we're considering here because again, it's been copy paste. <laughs> don't don't play badly in the fourth quarter. I can't tell you Make why. Make shots. Make shots. Rebound. Find a man. Yeah. Get back in transition. And and don't okay. give away live ball turnovers. I will say the Pacers game and the Magic game, if you take away the turnovers and you offense or you take away the offensive rebounds by the other team, suddenly like that's a win in Indiana and maybe even Orlando does go on a run to fourth quarter, but then it's a even game and then maybe you hit a couple of shots and win it. So lost to the Magic by fifteen and they shot twenty five percent better than them in the first half. Sun shot sixty seven percent, the Magic shot forty two percent. And then in the Heat game, they shoot like thirty five percent or whatever and the Suns are up twenty. And it's yeah. like yes. Yes. This is what's supposed to happen <laughs> when, you, when you shoot much better <laughs> yeah. than the other team. Yeah. Even even the Orlando game, I think I checked middle or end of third quarter and it was like a twenty percent gap in the shooting percentages to the Suns' advantage, and they're up five, and I was like, "What is what is going on here?" So, like that stuff's easy to say. Stop turning it over, and you might have won that game even with the fourth quarter mental hurdles. So, I don't know. I I think that's more positive than like us being negative about it keep happening because it's it's like yeah, you have to get over that. I don't think you'll do that all season and be a historically worst fourth quarter team ever. But we are halfway through the season, so maybe I'm wrong there. You and the listeners know there are a couple of things that I don't really like. Um, insinuating is the right way to put it because you can sit here and say this is a mental hurdle, but you don't know unless you're like a sports psychologist yeah. that's talking to these guys. Um, but I think it's got to be. I don't know what else to call it. Again, I don't like to sit here and act like you know what's going on in their heads, but I was just going through the splits. They're shooting 36% from three in the first half. In the third quarter this year, they're shooting 44% from three. Wait, the Suns? The Suns are shooting 36% from three in the first half. Okay. In the four, in the third quarter, they're shooting 44%. Oh, third quarter. Okay. I was like, and then in the fourth quarter, it goes down to 31%. Yeah. Sorry, I misspoke. That um, makes sense. Why am I misheard? I don't know. I guarantee if I went through and watched all these threes, they're not bad looks. These are not like their end of shot clock rushing stuff up. Yes, that happens from time to time. But you look at who's shooting well and who's not shooting well. Durant in the fourth is shooting 49 from three. Allen is shooting 41.4. But then you've got 29 for Eric Gordon, uh, 32 for Bradley Beal, and 25 for Devin Booker. And I don't know. Again, I, I don't know why these excellent shooters are all of a sudden just one quarter changes and then they turn into bad shooters. By the way, that's 22 total attempts for Beal, 38 for Gordon, 36 for Booker. So it's extremely small sample size. We're halfway through the year, and even if you're going off a full year of data, like going off quarter splits is a weird thing to do. But that's where we're at in the conversation yeah. <laughs> right now. That That's where we're at. Um, I think... It's very easy to look at what they're doing, and I think what's happening is, to the point of what we're talking about with trying to find new ways to talk about it, people are hyper-analyzing this stuff way too much, and it's like, yeah, you have to realize what's going on when it's going on. What I mean by that is, sometimes they're isolating and hunting mismatches, and it's going incredibly well, Yeah, but then when it doesn't go well, everyone's like, oh, here we go, they don't run offense, they need a point guard, and it's like, you just gotta watch what's happening when it, when it does, and... I thought for the most part against Miami, they were generating fine looks against a zone. Like, considering what it was, which is Miami throwing its typical weird zone at you, 
they generated pretty good looks, and they just were missing shots. They were missing shots. A lot of these fourth quarters are just missing shots. What isn't acceptable is what's happening on the other end and the turnovers. Like it's like okay, yeah, can you control the glass enough? Is this supposed to be a good rebounding team? No. Is it supposed to be horrible? No. And it's not. It's really rough in the fourth quarter specifically. And then the turnovers as well, those are controllable things. And if this team, I'll rephrase, if this team handled the controllable things like a great team, a good to great team, they would have 37, 38 wins right now. Like they would have maybe 10 losses. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's all it is. And this is stuff you talk about with, you would expect to flip them in OKC, right? Like, if OKC was all of a sudden struggling in the fourth quarter, it'd be like, yeah, they're still young, they're still figuring out each other, yeah. and it's like, this is not that type of team. So, yeah, I don't know what else I really have to say on it. Um, Devin Booker wins Western Conference Player of the Week. He's he got, did score 62 against the Pacers. We took this long to mention, I think, but he's pretty good. He's not bad. Uh, 46, 62, and 44 for him in those three games. I think he is rounding into form, to say the least. I By the way, speaking of copy-paste podcasts, mm-hmm. haven't we had a million where it's like, oh, he wasn't an all-star starter. We worried he's going to get, and then he suddenly just is like, oh, I should, before the vote by the coaches, I'm just going to yeah, he always just gets- remind you that I'm... He's, I can do this. He's always been a slow starter every every year. We yeah. always talk talk about this, and then it, January or February comes around, and then he's averaging his monthly splits back it up, where his numbers are insane. Once we get to the turn of the new year, basically, is when he starts to get going, and lo and behold, here it is again. Um, yeah, he's probably not going to make it, and then he's probably going to be an injury reserve, uh, injury replacement again. Whenever we have this conversation, we tend to think he's going to get in, and then he doesn't get in, and it's happened two different times now already. And this would be the third time. The only other time that it didn't happen was with, um, I can't remember, but it was uh, two years ago. Last year was injuries. He didn't play enough games. And then two years ago was when they were just a huge, fantastic story. So he was getting in no matter what. Um, But this one, I think they're going to do something like give like Rudy Gobert an all-star nod because Minnesota's doing so well or they're going to give Jalen Williams or Chet Holmgren uh, a a nod because they want to give two all-stars to a really good team instead of doing it for both Sacramento, LA and Phoenix with the position that they're in. Do I think he should be in? Absolutely, I think he should be in. But we've just been in this position far too many times before. Uh, We find out on Thursday, right? Yes, that is tomorrow I believe probably what? Before TNT game? It's like 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock. I do want to mention though I'm apparently not as negative thinking about his possible chances of just getting voted in immediately. Mm-hmm. And I might have blocked out last few years, but like if you scan every single like all star reserve pick story I've seen, like maybe two out of I'm just ballparking 12 or so have not had him in. And I'm just like, I think he's safe. And I think coaches will give him enough juice just because. Like, he has the reputation. He's made it. He's not the career high numbers and like everything. Career high numbers and everything. Assists, points, three point shooting. I tend to. Steph's the only lock that's like, okay, Steph's ahead of him probably. Yeah. I don't know. I feel okay about it, I guess. I I, tend to. There's always a possibility. With this kind of thing, I tend to believe once you've got like the rep and once you've established yourself, you're going to get in pretty much every year. And I think that's where he's at. But I also 
have seen him make the All-Star game three times, twice due to being an injury replacement, and the Suns' record just isn't as uh, high as we thought it would be. And I think that something like James Harden getting in because of how the Clippers oh. are playing or whatever, like maybe yeah. everyone hates um, James Harden because he, whatever, I, I don't want to talk about James Harden at all. I mean, I brought him up. all right, numbers-wise, Steph, Anthony Edwards... Darren Fox. Darren, that's the other. That's the only other guard person because it's a matter of Darren Fox, Rudy Gobert, Sabonis. Because I think Kawhi, Paul George, Anthony Edwards are also locks with Steph. Anthony Davis. I don't know if I mentioned him just now. Mm-hmm. That's one too many, but I don't think there's like two too many. And I think Book should get in over like Fox. Does Fox have a good case? I don't know. Did you hear that music? I can hear Fear the Reaper being played from here. Uh, Gambo just tweeted, the Suns don't have interest in Jay Shante. We're going to podcast on Monday, and then we're going to podcast on Thursday about the trade deadline. We talked about it briefly at the end of um, last episode, but I think there's more to happen now besides a random Jay Shante drop by people trying to get his interest up, probably his value up, uh, because Jay Shante has been a good player. But a Kogi redundant. I haven't seen enough of what's go- what went on in Houston to where he's not playing anymore. Because when I watched him in Houston before they started to look like they were trying to be good, he was good. Yeah. So I don't know what happened. I don't have enough to say. But Gambo tweeted they don't have interest in him. I don't know if that was a full to be clear in the in the Gambo lexicon. Don't fear the Reaper means there's a hundred percent chance he's never going there, and it has a hundred percent success rate. I believe. Yeah. I don't know if they Reapered him. I'll have to go. That's what it, it's a verb. He turned it into a verb. Um, I but think it might have been Reapered. It, it, the way he tweeted it was that it, they, they Reapered him. Anyway, um, we'll talk more about that next week. The Suns are wrapping up this road trip. And that's the thing. It's like, it's it's less about like what the record is. It's like, if they go 4-3 and three on this road trip, great. If yeah. they go 5-2 and two on this road trip, excellent. Um, but the way they're losing games and the way that some of these games are going, if it's just repetitive. It's too repetitive for where they're at right now as a team. And they have narrowly... Uh, it seems like they've been getting, I don't want to say lucky or fortunate, because they had really bad injury luck, but Yusuf Nurkic only missed a game with a left thumb sprain. That's something he's going to have to play through. Grayson Allen is questionable for today with an ankle sprain, ankle yeah. injury. We don't know what the, what do they call it? Sprain? I think it was sprain. It was one of those things where you watch it on the replay, and it wasn't like a severe extension or hyper-aggravation uh-huh. or whatever, so it made you hyper-aggravation. It makes you think that new terms. it's not yeah. going to be too crazy. This game's on ABC. Is it Wednesday? It is. It's another. They have two Wednesday games. They had one last week. Mavs was ABC. Hmm. Getting the spotlight. Do you know that? Do you know why it's on ABC? Because guess what, writers... Kevin? We're out of time. We're oh. not going to talk about tribute videos. Sorry, pal. Listen again next week, please. If you if you want to, I'm <laughs> trying not to tell you what to do. But I'm trying to get us out of here because I don't want to talk about legacies or tribute videos or Man, anything. You didn't even have to bring it up. No, I wasn't going there. We talked about the twins enough when they were here last time. Wave goodbye to the camera, Kev. Bye.